Blessed be that name. Blessed be that name. I want you to grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 15. Remain standing. Proverbs chapter 15. We're starting a new series today called Neighborly. And in chapter 15, we're going to be jumping around. I'm going to cover a lot of the verses in that chapter, but we're going to jump around different verses. Neighborly is what we should be. As followers of Jesus, we are devoted to loving our neighbors as ourselves. Isn't that right? This is not a theory we suggest, but it's a conviction that we should be practicing. It is showing the love of Christ to others. The people we live next to, the people we work next to, the people we play ball against. Our enemies, we ought to show them the love of Christ in word and in deed. We are in Hartford's house. Today is Commitment Weekend. And Hartford's house is about being neighborly. Being neighborly to those that are in our community. Churches that we're going to start. And also taking the good news of Jesus around the world. Big shout out right now to... uh, All of our locations joining us, Lexington and Freedom House and Mabel Bassett. But I specifically want to give a shout out to our Guthrie folks. Guthrie North Church is having friends and family day today. Come on. Oklahoma City, show them some love right now to Oklahoma City, Pastor Hetty, Bernadette, the great things God is doing there. We celebrate with you. And if you are new today, we are thrilled that you have joined us. We're honored. We're blessed. I'm going to start with verse number one, Proverbs 15. Again, I'm going to be jumping around. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of the fool belches out foolishness. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. The lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. The Lord detests the sacrifices of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. Mockers hate to be corrected, so they stay away from the wise. A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cold-tempered person stops them. Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. The Lord detests in evil plans, but he delights in pure words. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in 
understanding. And someone said amen, the reading of God's word. Father, we thank you. Words do matter. And God, may we apply these words to our heart. May we learn from them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Proverbs is a, not just a smooth reading, it seems like it jumps around and basically it was the tweetables before there was Twitter. The little nuggets of wisdom, of warning, things to contemplate, to meditate on, to think on. Words matter. If you know Genesis chapter one, you know that the worlds as we see them right now and the world that we don't see right now was created by the words of God. As he spoke, it happened. Spoke, it happened. And we are created in his image. And one of the things he gives, gives us that, that signifies that are the words that we speak. Because the words that we speak create the world that we live in. Whether we like it or not, you don't like your world, it's probably tied to your words. I was thinking specifically in regards to my relationship with Shannon. It's about words. Uh, Long before I met her, when I was a teenager, I made a commitment that I was not going to date anymore until I found that right one or at least I thought it may be the right one, before I begin, I wanna be very, not just date people for dating's benefit or whatever, I wanted to be very specific, and I prayed and committed that to God, it was words. It was a year and a half years later when I met Shannon, after making that commitment, and I hadn't been dating. And then I meet her, and then words, for the next eight months, we developed a relationship. We went to church together, to a college ministry together, We had some leadership classes together, so we worked together, and so words. Eight months into that, I asked her out on a date. That was a very nerve-wracking question. Will you go out with me? She said yes. Many more months later, I made the first three words that I weighed out big time, because none of those words matter. I said, I love you. I did not get the response I wanted back in return. But I was committed to those words. Several months after that, I asked her to marry me. Words, again, were used. She accepted, and then four months after that, we got married, and it was, again, the I do, centered around vows, words, commitments, until death we do part. Even after marriage, there was children that we discussed about, having kids, where it started with words. Imagination of what could be as the family begins to grow. Even job transitions, even North Church was pinning down words and thinking and praying and talking about these things, about what could and should be. Visions about the future centered around words. Um, How many of you know that it was also words that have gotten me in hot water many times with my wife? And it's words that has gotten me favor at times. Words. Because words matter. Big time. And today, that's the title of my message. And three questions I'm gonna deal with are right here. Why your words matter. What your words reflect. And how your words can be a lasting blessing. 
First off, why your words matter. Your words either heal or hurt. True or not true. True or false. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. We know that's false because there's many times you would have rather had a stick upside your body or somebody slap you than some of the words that were said. Words like, I don't love you anymore. I'm leaving you. I want a divorce. You're not my friend anymore. You're fired. You got cancer. Because words hurt. Words can rock our world. Proverbs 18 says it this way, wise words satisfy like a good meal. How many like good meals? How many have had bad meals? How many have had food poisoning? The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring, set with me, death or life. Two ways that our tongue, our words, impact our life is through complaining and praise. Complaining hurts. Praise heals. You see, complaining cripples your capacity to follow Jesus. Joyce Myers said it this way, if you are going to complain about something, don't bother to pray about it. Ooh, let that sink in for just a moment. You see, complaining gives your negative experiences energy to grow. It's like adding gas to the fire. It's adding kindling to the fire. You, you got a negative experience, a bad experience, you're gonna complain about it, it's just going to grow inside of you and even your imagination to something that probably never was intended to be. Complaining is a symptom of a deep-rooted spiritual problem. It's more than just the surface level. It goes down deep inside of each one of us. Exodus chapter number 16 and verse number eight, Moses is having the children of Israel complain. What are they complaining about? They had been in bondage for 400 years in slavery. They're set free. They're led through an incredible miracle of the splitting of the Red Sea, and they walked across on dry land. They get to the other side. God feeds them manna from heaven. Water flows from a rock, and they are complaining. And Moses takes his com these complaints to God. and says, God, they're complaining about my leadership, and, and they don't want me as their leader anymore. And God says to Moses, they're not complaining about you, Moses. They're complaining about me. Think about that for a moment, because when you're complaining about your job, really down deep inside, it's probably a deep-rooted spiritual issue that you're complaining about your God. When you're complaining about your kids or your spouse or you're complaining about your health or some situation in your life, it could be a deeper rooted problem that you're complaining about the God that you say you serve because you're saying you're not serving me the way you think you should be serving me. I need this to change in my life and if God's not changing it, you're complaining to him about it. See, your complaining is really a negative attitude toward God. Complaining also carries significant consequences for your friends, for your spouse, for your girlfriend, boyfriend, for your coworkers, for your health. They show time and time again, the stats are showing that negative, more negative people have more health issues. And even people with difficult health issues, their positivity can help lift them up, even out of their pain and suffering. But what you find throughout the scripture is that complaining ticks God off. Amen. Go to the Old Testament. 
multiple times when they were complaining, they were murmuring, they were grumbling. God made it very clear that that made him upset. Even more than many other sins, it's like that made him upset. Numbers chapter 11, it says, the soon the people began to complain about their hardship. Now, how many know it's good to complain about hardship? Or at least, if there's something you're gonna complain about, let's complain about hardship, problems, sickness, all those things. But here's what God says. And the Lord heard everything they said, then the Lord's anger blazed against them. They weren't trusting God, even in the middle of their hardship. Which brings me to the second thing is praise. Praise can heal. Acts chapter number 16 tells the story of Paul and Silas out preaching the gospel and there is a certain demon-possessed girl. They cast the demon out of this girl and did not make her owners. The people were profiting off of her happy and so a mob gathered around Paul and Silas and began to beat them. And then they threw them in prison, chained to a wall. These prisons, I mean, I've been in prisons here in our system in America and they're not that desirable at all. But there was even completely different, probably open sewage flowing through, chained to a wall. And it says that at the midnight hour, they begin to pray and begin to sing praises unto God. Which speaks volumes to me about the principle of praise. Praise positions your heart for the overflow of God's presence. And many of us aren't positioning ourselves to be able to receive from God because we're complaining about where we are. Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God. And then suddenly an earthquake happened and shook the jail cell. The door swung wide open. The chains fell off of them, which speaks to me also this, is that when you start praising God in your situation, he will lift you out of your situation. Come on, we gotta praise God in the middle. Don't wait for the result. We always want the result, then I'll praise God. God says, praise me before and I will give you the results. And even if the results don't come in your timing, when you begin to praise God, it seems like peace that passes all understanding will come over your soul that says, you know what, I can endure this. I can make it through because my God is gonna get me through it some way or somehow. And also, whenever they began to praise and the jail cell began to shake and the walls trembled and the chains fell off of them, the chaplain of the, or the chaplain, the jail chief comes in ready to kill himself because he thinks they're set free. And he knows that he'd been given the assignment to not let them go free. And Paul says, do not harm yourself. And so he calls for some lanterns. They come and bring the lanterns he sees and he comes and falls at the feet of Saul and, and, or Paul and says, how can I be saved? He gets saved right there and then he takes him home after midnight, wakes up the wifey, wakes up the kids and they all get saved. Then they all get baptized in water in the middle of the night. What are you waiting on to be baptized? And then he feeds them a meal in the middle of the night, which speaks to me that when you begin to praise God, it just does not positively impact you. It positively impacts everyone around you. Behind me is a picture of a young lady named Monica. Monica was at the Teen Challenge Summit that I was preaching at along with, I had several of the prayer team with me just a few weeks back. The Teen Challenge Summit is women and men, it's not just teenagers, it's also teenagers too, but just hundreds of people were gathered. We were worshiping Jesus. This lady comes in who has been for most of her life 70% deaf in her ears. And as the music began to play that night, 
Monica said that I began to hear something in my ear that I'd never heard before. And then when the preaching happened, it got better. And then by the end of the service that night, she had had 100% complete healing in her ears. Because there's something powerful about God's word. When we begin to pray collectively and we begin to worship God and sing his praises, it brings change in people's lives and in the circumstances of life. So what's your words reflect? What do they reflect? Your words reflect your heart. I don't know if there's sickness going around your family, but the Fouts family, there's been a lot of sickness going around. My son and their three children, all of them had the flu. The whole, all five of them had the flu. And so one of the key things that they're using to round the house when they had the flu was a thermometer, right? You, you test kind of the temperature, the body temperature to get a, a measure of the physical health of your kids. And so, but nowadays they have these fancy kind that's like a little gun, you just point at them. And even my grandkids, they're like, they didn't want to be pointed at. And I'm like, what? We need to take them back to the old school days with a thermometer. <laughs> if you stick it under the tongue and you gotta hold it there for 30 minutes. And if you move at all, you gotta redo it. And if you're lucky, you got to put one under your armpit. But there was a few people, there were some other places they put that too. <laughs> and some of you know, and some of you, you did not like that. That'll cause you to tighten up. <laughs> you go to the doctor, what are they gonna do? They're, they're gonna chest a thermometer, your, get your reading on your temperature, and say, ah, everybody say, ah, ah. But because they're gonna test your tongue. Well, let me, let me just tell you, your words are a thermometer to your spiritual health. Your words are a thermometer for your spiritual health. Jesus said this way in Matthew chapter 12, as a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Somebody say, oh me. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. And hear me, and the words you say are decided by the words you believe. You see, the words you believe determine your direction and distance in life. You gotta see it, but then you gotta say it. And you wanna change your world? Choose better words. Choose the words of God. Amen. Choose to hang on to the things of God. So be careful. Be careful what? Be careful what others speak to you. You say, oh, pastor, I cannot, I cannot determine what others speak to you. They just kind of come that way to me. No, 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 no. I know that you can't stop them from speaking certain words to you, but you can stop believing certain words that they are saying. You can choose the words that you believe or not. Uh, what you speak about yourself you got to change. You, you say, I can't control, control every thought, Pastor. No, no, I know I can't control every thought either. Some th have you ever been there like, where did that come from? Anybody? Have you ever thought thoughts and you're like, what in the world, what is wrong with me? Why would I think those thoughts? I, I have thoughts like that. But you know what? While I can't control every thought that comes to my head, I can take every thought captive and I can make it obedient to Christ Jesus. That's what I must do. 
take it captive and make it obedient. And sometimes I gotta do that a lot. When I have discouraging thoughts, when I have negative words, I've gotta keep taking them captive, making them obedient to Christ Jesus. You see, most of our problems is because we spend too much time listening to ourselves instead of speaking to ourselves. Let us start speaking God's word to ourselves. Start believing something different about you and who you are. And also, be careful what your God speaks over you. Be careful. What do you mean by that, brother? Be careful what God speaks over me? Be careful to grab hold of what God speaks over you and apply it to your heart. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. You see, some of us show up at church and God speaks a word. We've got different moments, God speaks a word. Then we let the enemy come and snap it away. No, 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 be careful to grab hold of God's word and say, I'm not letting the devil get this. God gave me a word today, I'm gonna be healed, I'm hanging on that word. God gave me a word today that he's gonna direct me, I'm hanging on that word. God gave me a word, I'm gonna hang on to that word and I'm not gonna let the devil or anyone else take the word of God from me. I'm gonna hang on to the word of God. Hang on to it. You must position yourself to hear from God. And a lot of us aren't in positions to hear from God. That's why every single day, get into God's word. Hear God's word. That's why it's important that every single week to be in God's house. Hear God's word. My wife, Shannon, talks about it six years of age being raised by a mom that would only take her to church. Dad did not go to church with her. Dad was alcoholic. And at six years of age, she remember being in the church on Southwest 29th here in Oklahoma City, abundant life. Brother Brown, the message was preached. Adults go down to the front. At six years of age, she just went down the front too and knelt and began to pray. And the first time in her life, she heard the voice of God say, Shannon, I love you. And she said, it's those words that has got her through some dark nights, those words that have got her through some lonely days. You see, sometimes it's just one little phrase. It's one word from God. It's one scripture, but hang on to it because when you get God's word inside of you, the devil can't take it away. Finally, how your words can be a lasting blessing. Your words impact eternity. Impact eternity. Uh, recently, matter of fact, it's been months ago now that somebody turned me on to Grammarly. Anybody know what Grammarly is? Basically, you plug it in and it kind of corrects your spelling, but more than that, it corrects, which was beneficial for me, is uh, grammar. It corrects grammar. And so I had been using it for just a few weeks. This is many months ago. And it, then it sends you a report. It sends you a report on the type of things that you're saying, you know, what you know, it rates you compared to other users. And then one of the things it rates you on is how accurate you are grammatically. And so for me, it sent my first report and it said, you were more accurate than 8% of users. <laughs> I didn't think it was funny, <laughs> but I chose to take the positive Got news for you that are laughing at me is that I did it again just like a few weeks later. I'd stepped up my game to 17% better than I'm, I'm going up into the right. 
But here's what I know, is that God is less concerned about perfect grammar than he is a pure heart. God wants a pure heart. Oh, that gives me, oh, it gives me a sense of peace. I know that my God's not concerned about, am I saying it just right? My God is not concerned about, do I know the word just right? Am I quoting it just right? God is saying, I want a heart that is hungry for me, and I will listen to that heart. I will listen to those words, because words matter. I'm doing what I'm doing today because of words that were spoken over me. Because an example of a mom and dad, Gerald and Janice Fouts. Who not only talked about God's word, but lived God's word. I saw that example around altars of prayer in our home, not just the church. I saw it for their faithfulness to be in God's house always. My dad wasn't a preacher, my dad's a farmer. We milked cows every day. We took care of slopping pigs. We took care of feeding the cattle. We took care of row crops, whether it be field corn or soybeans or wheat or spinach or cantaloupes. That's what we did. My, my mom was a work-at-home mom most of the time, but then she also worked in the school system as a secretary. That's what she did. But more than being a farmer and more than being an educator or a secretary, they were children of God, joint heirs with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And they showed us an example of what it meant to follow after Jesus. It impacted my life, their words. I remember my dad praying and mom, they were soul winners. They used their words and their example to bring people to Jesus. And I remember dad praying, God help me win people to Jesus. You said in your word that he who wins souls is wise and I wanna be a wise man. He took this off of Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 30 where it says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. You see, there's two things that are gonna last forever and that is the word of God and the souls of humanity. And we have a responsibility. What we're doing with Heart for His House is just that. We're making commitments with our words, followed up by good deeds of giving and serving to take the good news of Jesus Christ around this world. Amen. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing that is hearing the good news about Jesus. There has to be words involved. You get it? There has to be somebody proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Chapter 10 and verse 15 says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. I'm telling you what, I have not seen very many pretty feet. Maybe you're a foot model, I don't know. But there's very few feet that I've looked at in my life and said, those are pretty feet. I don't like looking at my feet. I don't like looking at your feet. Because most feet aren't pretty. But he says here that beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful are the feet of those who come with the good news about Jesus Christ, that he died for them, and how that people can know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Beautiful are the feet. 
Romans chapter 10 and verse nine says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be You do that through words. You do that through words, through proclaiming, through speaking. Verse 10 says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Why, why do we do baptism? Why do we say, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't do very much. Raise your hand for salvation. Repeat after me. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you what, when you openly declare, you're not ashamed to be baptized in water to go down to speak to your death in Christ and you're alive in him. I want to proclaim the good news of Jesus and I want to tell the world that I'm a follower of him. At your seat, there is either a brochure or a card like this. I want every single person to grab this because I want all of us to make a commitment of what we're gonna do in 2023. Some of you are wrapping up 2022. Let's finish strong. But I also want us to make a commitment for 2023. For some of you, that's gonna be a commitment that you say, I'm gonna do that monthly, $100 a month. That would work out to $1,200 in the year. You say, Pastor, does North Church need our money? North Church doesn't need your money. You need to give because there's a world yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And we wanna invest in the world, we wanna invest in our community, we wanna invest in planting churches. The good news of Jesus Christ going forward. And I want you to pray. Pray about what God wants you to do. But don't let your prayers be an excuse for not to give. And then I want you to give. But don't let your giving be an excuse not to go. And I want you to go. And some of you will have those 73 partners. Some of you will go see them and visit them and, and, and serve them. But let your serving not be an excuse for not giving. It all works together. We have a responsibility to take the good news around this world. And I want you to watch one story that I've already shared with you, but it's worth sharing again, of Jesse and Rachel and how their giving is making a difference. Our call as Christians, it's like, is to go reach the lost, right? And so, obviously, we have a role in our own homes and, and in our workplaces and those kind of things, but the opportunity to give at your local church but then affecting the whole world, I think is huge. And then who are the people we're gonna see in heaven one day? Right. Where it's like, hey, because of you, not necessarily just because of us, but what we're doing as a church, my life was changed, I found Jesus. Like, there's not a, there's not a way to, you know, like quantify that. That's what it's about, it's about eternity. You know, having, having that eternal mm -hmm. perspective, it's not about here. I mean, that, I think that's such a huge part of it. We actually wanna share a video with you real quick of. Uh, some folks that have been impacted by your giving. And so, uh, Johnson, would you show them the iPad real quick? Hey, Jesse and Rachel. It's Ryan and Amanda Hoover with the Branch Church in Oxford, Mississippi. My name is Sheridan, and this is my husband, Eli Garcia. And in January 2022, we launched the church in Lawton, Oklahoma. My name is Yodi Cabreja from Sorrento de Vida Church, Dominican Republic, Moca. Hello, Jesse and Rachel. I am Misael. This is Daniela. And we are the Lucano family. We serve as church planters in Bolivia, South America. 
And because of your faithfulness and giving, we've been able to see lives completely transformed by the power of Jesus. We've seen over 100 people come to know Jesus, and in the last three weeks, we've had over 70 first-time guests. And because of your faithful giving, we have seen so many lives change radically through our church plant and have seen individuals come to know Christ in so many ways. Thank you for everything you're doing. You're very special people who go beyond just feeling love. And through what you are given, we have been able to be there for a lot of families and kids, plant the seed of the gospel in their life and see their life being transformed. We are so happy. Thank you so much. God bless you. That was really cool. We wanted you to see the impact that your specific giving has had. But actually, we, we kind of played a little trick on you, okay? Uh, because Johnson is actually not a part of our production team. Johnson is actually the executive director for Advocates of Africa uh, in Rwanda. So, like, are you, do you live there? Yes, I live there. Oh, okay. We serve over 100, uh, 700 children, vulnerable children in Rwanda. And because of your giving, We've been able to provide them with education, with health insurance, with meals every day, and the children are happy because of your giving. And over the last one year, we've had over 450 youth, women, men receive Jesus Christ because of your giving. So we really want to say thank you. Yeah, that's incredible. And this is Ari, and Ari's actually not a part of our team either. I should know. Ari is actually, uh, Ari back in 2020 was homeless. Um, and uh, he found an organization that you support through Heart for His House uh, called Hope is Alive. And that's actually how Ari got saved and his life completely changed. He became part of the program there. Um, and now Ari's actually on staff and your giving actually goes to support Ari. I became a staff member in February of 2021 and I get to serve on the incredible team. We have over 200 men and women now in 25 homes. We have over 500 monthly uh, members in our support groups. That's moms and dads who are getting help. Um, we provide hope after loss support groups. So people who've lost somebody to addiction, you know, we're just growing and it's because of incredible support that, you know, I get to serve people. It seems like almost weekly people are giving their life to the Lord. We just wanted you to see, because you guys are just giving out of obedience, not really seeing. Till now, some of what you're giving is tangibly doing. I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's, uh... I just think it's just so neat, you know? It's yeah. like everything is just bigger than us. You know, I was telling you about <laughs> when we get to heaven, we'll be able to see it, but sometimes... <sighs> you know, it's just cool. Make me cry. <laughs> I knew it. I was like, I don't recognize you guys. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Am I allowed to give hugs? Oh, sure, yeah. Why don't you guys go over there? <laughs> give you a hug. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Thank you.